Hey everyone, my name is Ben Gramico. I'm from InterNACHI, that's the International Association of Certified Home Inspectors. And we train and certify home inspectors all over the world. And that's at nachi.org. Um, today is an InterNACHI webinar. And we have a special guest, Andrew Sams. Um, he's from Alpine Building Performance, that's alpinebuildingperformance.com. He's in the Denver area in Colorado, and he's a certified master inspector, certified home inspector, certified professional inspector, uh, BPI building analyst, uh, energy auditor. He does sewer scopes. He does everything. And <laughs> what I really enjoy is when we have a, an experienced master inspector who's interested in sharing and giving back. So I asked Andrew to come on Internet G webinars and uh, walk us through a home inspection. And I believe uh, he's got a, a report that he's brought up and um, we're gonna walk through the inspection using the report. Andrew, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Of course, thanks Ben, my pleasure to be here. And, and uh, you know, InterNACHI's been, uh, I mean, just critical to, to my professional development growth and, and that of our whole team. Uh, I started off five years ago uh, here in the Denver market. And so right down the street from, from InterNACHI and um, it was just me at the time, and, and I've, I've been fortunate. I've grown a great team um, to this day. We've, we've got um, five inspectors, including myself, and some in training. So um, we've, we've been really fortunate to have, have a good run here for the past five years. And yeah, could, couldn't do it without um, you know, all the great training we get and the great resources. So um, I'm happy to be here. And because you're a building analyst, you've studied building science. And, uh, you know, when I teach home inspectors, I teach them that a house is a system, mm -hmm. a bunch of parts intermingled together. When one part isn't working very well, it'll affect other parts. It's so true. It's so true. And that's, that's really what I love about this is, um, you know, is being able to analyze the home as a system and that you, you know, you of course have these, these, all these different systems, but they're not isolated. I mean, everything is tied together. And I think that's what that's when things really start to click is when you can kind of tie different parts and different systems together and really figure out what's going on. You know, there's, there's a lot of elements of an inspection that are, that are pretty cut and dry, but there's, you know, a lot of these problem solving um, scenarios where you really have to apply that building science mentality and, and figure things out. And I think that's when it gets really fun for, for me personally. Speaking of solving problems uh, during an inspection, uh, what are the challenges in business? What are your biggest challenges or goals right now in your business? Sure. Um, you know, I really right now, um, I would say it's, it's kind of our internal training. Um, you know, we use InterNACHI. I mean, all of our inspectors are InterNACHI certified, and that's a great, um, you know, jumping off point uh, to, to get the guys ready. Um, to really then start training in the field. And so, um, you know, we have a really high standard for our inspectors and running them through all of the different scenarios that you come across um, in the course of, of this profession is, is really what we've been focusing on lately. And so, um, you know, honestly, kind of doing that infield training in conjunction with just being busy um, it has been a challenge. And so we've been working on that a lot, um, trying to really kind of piggyback on InterNACHI training um, and, and kind of develop our own curriculum to prepare everybody for, for what they see in the field. Um, you know, and, it, and it's not just, I'm, I'm really a big believer on um, the, 
kind of communication and personality side of the business, as well as the technical side. And so, um, you know, really training our guys, you know, on how to handle certain situations, how to handle interactions, um, working, you know, the different types of clients you come across, that kind of thing. And, you know, what to do if certain problems arise. Um, I mean, I just, you know, pulled up to a house yesterday afternoon and, and uh, no one was there and there was a dog barking at me through the window <laughs> inside the house. And, and, you know, so just, just little nuances like that. But I would say that's, that's kind of been, been the big challenge um, lately as, as we, as, as we're growing. Well, I've seen your uh, website, alpinebuildingperformance.com, and I've seen your team. That, that one inspector, Matthew, he should be, I don't know, he came from the NFL or something. He looks. I know, he's a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, no, Matt's great. We've, uh, um, he's been with us a, a year, and, and um, um, yeah, good old Iowa farm boy. So um, I love it, you know, just, just uh, he's been all, nev- never hear from him. Uh, he just, he just gets the job done. So um, yeah, we've one interesting thing I saw is um, it's a local thing, but it could be spreading around the country is um, rental units being required yes. to be inspected by a certified home inspector. And yes. Denver recently did something like that. And you're involved in that. Yes, we are. So we really want to be, um, you know, kind of on the forefront of that in the Denver market. Um, you know, Boulders, as you know, has, you know, regulatory requirements around rentals and then the smart regs program, but the city and county of Denver is adopting a residential rental license program. And so um, basically without getting too far in the weeds is by 2024, January 1st, 2024, Denver is going to require all of the, um, all of the rental units to pass to pass an inspection. So I think this will be one situation where an inspection is actually a pass or fail yeah, <laughs> situation. Right. So um, the, the definitive checklist for the inspection um, is due out sometime by March, 2022. So we're, we're hoping to get it sooner rather than later so we can get started. Yep. Um, but we're definitely encouraging people not to wait on, <laughs> on this program. So well, speaking of not waiting and getting started, why don't you take us through one of your inspections here? I see uh, one, two, three, four Main Street. Yeah. Yeah. So pulled up a sample report. Um, you know, I, of course, we've, we've got a lot of reports to pull from and, and leading up to today, I was really trying to pick my brain on what would be a good example. And then we had an interesting situation happen yesterday. And um I actually figured this would kind of be a good training scenario as well. Um, you know, we've, we've been in business five years and we've actually never had um, such a kind of crude um, email from a listing agent before as we had yesterday. Um, and it was actually on this inspection. So I figured it would be a good example to kind of pull from. So um, Owen, who you see here, he's our, um, our lead inspector. Um, he's a certified master inspector as well. And he's been with me uh, since almost the beginning, but he actually did this inspection here in Denver on Saturday. Um, and um, as you'll see, you can see here, we've got 18 minor items, 57 moderate, which is quite a few, and then 10 major health and safety. Um, and as you'll see, as we go through the report, um, you know, nothing is really 
um, egregious. It's all very, um, you know, really by the book. Um, but it was interesting because the listing agent um, sent us a reply email. We always follow up with, with both listing and, and, and buyer's agents and just say, you know, thanks for the opportunity. We always welcome any feedback. Um, and he said, um, you're a deal killing hack. If I ever see your company ever again, I will not <laughs> allow you own the property. <laughs> so, which was actually a threat. Um, but, um, I just thought that was interesting because, um, we pride ourselves on not being deal killers, just being edu- you know, being there for education. And, but I thought it was interesting. It kind of let his emotions get the best of him and we just had to brush it off. Yeah. You know, I, I just said, thanks for your feedback. And, and, you know, we kind of moved on, but it was interesting because he said, I'll, I won't let you on the property. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not really up to you to make the decision. <laughs> but I thought I'd share that too, because, you know, that's kind of part of this profession as well is, is just dealing with all the different parties. Um, and I will say in five years, we've never had anything that hateful yeah. um, come up, but um and I actually, I spoke with the buyer's agent and she said, everything was great. We really appreciated the insight. You know, my buyers decided to walk on this property. They were kind of already on the fence and, and this was, you know, what we needed to see. So yeah. um, I first want to acknowledge this is not proper ladder setup or safety by the internet. She said, <laughs> well, three good rungs above the roof line. That's all right. Um, but I figured, um, what I'll do, I'll just kind of go through. I mean, would that be kind of the best format to just kind of walk through sections? And Yeah. Yep. And, and two things. If anybody uh, wants to ask a question, feel free to use the Q&A uh, feature on your side during the live presentation. And if you wanted to ask um, Andrew anything, uh, you know, it's alpinebuildingperformance.com. And, um, but one question for you is uh, we might as well go over what, what software are you using? I already know, but yeah, sure. So we, we use Spectora software, which we absolutely love. Um, they've been great. I, I think really just kind of in a nutshell, what I love about Spectora is the, um, the user interface and the ease of use for us as inspectors, and then also the ease of use for, for clients and agents. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a great software. Um, it's all digital. And uh, another great thing about Spectora is they're, they're always innovating. So um, it's really cool to, to see. I mean, pretty much as soon as you think, oh, it would be nice if X, you know, it just pops up, you know, and they say, hey, we've got a new update. And um, I think they're, they're really doing some great things. So um, on that note, for anyone that's, that's unfamiliar with Spectora, um, as you can see here, this is kind of the, the, the layout that um, is the default um, so if you're the client or the agent, this is the view you get, um, which basically takes you straight um, to, to the meat of the inspection. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, hey, what, what did you guys find that needs to be um, addressed? And so you see by section, there's roof, um, we've got our items, exterior, we have our items. Um, now, um, on these file tabs here, this is just the overview. So it takes you straight to the, to the defects. Um, but you can click on information um, and get all of the, um, the photos here, um, all the limitations, um, and then, of course, the NACHI standards of practice. Um, and then there's also the option here. You can see full report. There's just a summary um, option. And then there's a major defects plus health and safety. You can go straight to all the red items here. So it's a really nice way to classify it. And then 
Um, you know, for the more kind of uh, old school style, you can go to a PDF and then do the summary or the full report, which is the, you know, 90 page report there. Um, but, you know, we, we found that agents love and clients just say, hey, just show me what's wrong, you know, and every once in a while, you know, it, and it's interesting, I think you have so many different types of clients. And I think it's really important for inspectors to be able to, to, to kind of determine who they're working with and what their audience is. Um, you know, we'll have um, home buyers that are engineers and they want to know everything. Um, you know, they're like, just lay it on me, give me the detail. You know, they just really want to dive in um, and kind of geek out with you. Um, and then on the other, you know, side, there's, you know, your first time home buyers that are software engineers and they know nothing about a home and they don't sometimes they don't really want to know they're just like just tell me what's wrong like i want to buy this house i don't need the detail you know we're like here's your shutoff valves here are the main items you know let us know if you have any questions so i think kind of you know gauging your audience is is just one thing that's really important uh, on a more general scale so um we'll kind of walk through these items and then i will I guess give you some of my philosophy as well and like how we inspect and, and, and what we deem important, kind of how we classify things. Sure. Um, so you'll see we have the blue, orange, and red categories. Essentially the, the blue, the minor observations are more cosmetic surface level. Um, sometimes we use that as just, hey, we acknowledge this, but we're not necessarily recommending, you know, that you that you do anything or not, but we did want to make, you know, note of this or it's cosmetic items like, a missing globe on a fixture or something like that, that, hey, you know, while, while we're in this home and we're spending three hours on site, we want to give you the, all the information that we find, um, but we're, we're putting this in more of like a punch list format. Um, the orange is, is typically more of a, um, you, you, you might want to do something about this. Um, it, it might vary from, um, you know, a grading and drainage issue that we recommend that, that be taken care of all the way to, hey, your furnace is past its service life. Um, so, you know, definitely more attention there. And then the red items, which are the major defects or health and safety, um, as the name implies, um, it, it's, it's either a really major item or it falls into the health and safety category. And then I think what's interesting about health and safety um, is that Oftentimes, as you'll see in this report, the health and safety items, although they're red, um, they're usually really easy fixes. Um, it's usually things like, you know, missing for us, at least in our report template, you know, missing smoke detectors or carbon monoxide detectors, uh, open junction boxes, anti-tip brackets, things like that that are easy fixes, um, but, but are something that do, you know, pose a health and safety risk. Um, so our inspection details, we always capture this pretty standard. Um, we usually start, so for us, um, we typically start the first, you know, on a three hour inspection, usually the first hour or so is roof exterior and the garage. If, if that's, um, if, if there is a garage, um, and then we move in and kind of hit more of our major systems. So, uh, electrical plumbing structure, attic insulation, ventilation, um, and then kind of the last 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the configuration of the home, is interiors, plumbing fixtures, appliances, things like that. So that's typically our flow, and that's how the report's laid out as well. Um, 
Ben, to acknowledge you, I, I think it was a webinar I watched years ago where you, you had a trick where you crossed your fingers when you <laughs> took a picture. <laughs> and we, I think that was more in the pre-Spectora days of digital uh, photos of like notating something as a defect. And we picked that up. And even though we don't need to use it anymore, like we can't shake the hat. <laughs> so I was, I was uh, watching a, a webinar five years ago or so and, 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 and pulled this great tip. So um, we've had agents ask like, why are you crossing your fingers? <laughs> something that we, something that we do. But um, so um, kind of moving through some of these and I'll, I'll touch on some more than others. And, and it's been said, I'm happy to answer any questions, but um, one of the most common things we see is our, our grading and drainage issues. Um, it's, you know, I, we, we see it all the time. Um, and um, I don't, um, you know, I, I, we always tell buyers and agents like, Hey, this is such a simple um, fix, but it's one of the most important things. And, you know, from, from, you know, goes across many different sections of, of training, but, you know, just keeping a home dry, keeping water away from the home is one of the most important things. Um, and you'll often see these, these downspouts um, that are just, you know, um, um, ejecting all that drainage from the roof right at the foundation. And so we use the, um, the InterNACHI graphics. Um, well, we've got a couple of different graphics libraries that we've tied in. Um, but, um, just to show our clients, you know, what is, uh, proper drainage versus, um, what is improper drainage. Um, and again, just stressing how easy of a fix this is. Um, it's also fascinating to see the direct correlation oftentimes between improper drainage and a defect within the foundation or settling or moisture intrusion. Um, it's usually really, really easy to, to, to draw that correlation. Um, you know, moving along here, gutter systems, evidence of leakage or active leakage. Um, this is a really important one to, to look for. You know, in Colorado, it's we're in a unique climate because it's so dry all the time. Um, and it's, you know, when it when it is raining uh, or if snow's melting during an inspection, it's you you'll see a lot of things that you won't normally see on a dry day. But we try to look for evidence of issues that are caused during, um, you know, precipitation. Um, and so there's, there's some things to, um, um, you know, keep an eye out for there. Um, so just staining, dripping, rusting of gutters. Uh, sometimes you'll see if it's a galvanized gutter, the bottom side, there'll be like a pinhole leak. Um, and so you, you kind of want to keep a close eye on that. Um, here's a, one of our minor items, just, uh, debris accumulation in the gutters. It's more of a home maintenance issue, um, but we want to point that out. Uh, really minor damage on the roof. Um, now there was a fiberglass um, roof over a porch structure um, that, that did have uh, more moderate damage here that we wanted to note. And again, just noting debris on the roof coverings, just something to, um, just clean off to help facilitate proper drainage. Um, you know, it's really just a home maintenance item. And then this is something that if you get in the mountainous regions of Colorado, you want to be aware of from a wildfire prevention standpoint. Um, I actually just recently moved from, from Denver up into the foothills. And um, that's something that I've been really focused on is wildfire 
safety and home hardening and defensible space. Um, so, you know, again, there's that kind of brings up the, um, the point of, you know, there's, there's a lot of focus on kind of where you are inspecting. Of course, you know, every, every location has this different consideration. So, you know, in Colorado, we've got certain considerations that, you know, you don't have as a an inspector in Florida or Texas or California. Um, and so um, I, I've often said we're in a very favorable climate for a lot of things. I mean, we, we definitely have some unique um, issues or expansive soils and, and things like that. But um, I'm, I'm from North Carolina originally, and I'm, I'm really happy I'm an inspector in Colorado and not North Carolina because less uh, crawl space issues and, you know, molds and insects and vermin and things like that. So <laughs> um, pretty like nice out here with the dry climate and a lot of basements. It seems like a uh, uh, home inspector needs to know, uh, you know, what climate zone that, that they're in and the geographical nature of things and the soil. But really, uh, even if it, it's a dry climate, water is the, the main thing. Water, how it moves, how it destroys things how it's whipped up and absorbed by different materials, even in a dry climate, like it's, it's still very important to understand how water moves. It seems like that's what all home inspectors really focus on because water can just be on the outside. You're starting with the exterior, but man, it, it shouldn't be on the inside. Exactly. Exactly. You know, talking earlier about a home, like a system, um, you, you want to really be able to critically think about how water moves, um, you know, bulk water like rain and snowmelt, and then, um, you know, water vapor. Um, we're really lucky here in such a dry climate that we don't have as many considerations with uh, humidity uh, and moisture vapor. But that's a really I mean, if you are in a humid climate, um, you know, I have to stress that you really need to understand moisture vapor. Um, because um, it's kind of the invisible force that's happening. And you can get um, um, what's called like interstitial condensation, where it'll actually um, condense, moisture will condense inside a wall cavity um, and can lead to some, some really big issues. Um, and so generally speaking, we, we don't have that as a, as a big consideration in this climate. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it, as Ben said, it's really important to, understand your climate zone. Um, you know, if I, I mean, I, I consider myself a, a very experienced inspector at this point. Um, but if I moved to a different region and started inspecting, like I would have to sit down and, and, and take on some education, you know, in that area. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know much about, you know, earthquake considerations and hurricane, uh, considerations and, 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 and all that. So, I mean, even just, uh, here in Colorado from the front range uh, into the foothills and the mountains, there's different considerations. Um, so, you know, really, really important to, to focus on your region as well. Um, just noting some tree overhangs here. Um, and one thing to always look for is um, dead trees and dead tree limbs as well. I mean, that can be a huge uh, safety hazard. So moving on to the exterior, um, Flat work, settling and heaving, um, really common here. Um, these are minor, um, but we did want to notate the, the cracking. Um, 
in Colorado or in the front range, we've got uh, these bentonite clay soils, which are heavily expansive and can wreak havoc um, on, on flat work um, and foundations, but uh, more notably a lot of flat work. Um, and so that's something that's a local consideration that we talk a lot about. Um, trip and pelmet hazard. I mean, this could almost be considered a safety item, but there's this rebar sticking up in some of the landscaping. Um, might sound a little alarmist um, with the title, but if you if there's kids running around and someone trips, I mean that's um, could you know really be a dangerous situation. Um, swollen siding, getting back to moisture, um, you know we see this a lot, and um, you know this would tie into what we talked about having a proper capillary break um, of usually about you know four inches or so, um, wanting to make sure that you know, moisture wicking materials are not in contact um, with, with the grade. Um, you know, you'll, you'll see that cause and effect often of, you know, you've got rotten or damaged siding and it's because it's been wicking moisture uh, from the flat work or from the ground. So um, here we had um, just some cracking in the brick veneer. It is minor. Um, but it's something we want to um, um, really at least monitor. Um, it's what would you, you know. Consider, what would you consider major, and like maybe a recommendation for a structural engineer? Where do you go? Sure. So typically, um, we kind of use the over a quarter inch um, in space. Um, so, you know, I tell people that typically, if like if you can't fit a dime or a nickel yeah. into it, it's typically not a huge concern um you know and then we'll want to take a step back too and and this is kind of you know getting into the whole house approach or looking at the home as a system is um really analyzing like okay well what's you know here's the uh effect but what is the cause um and kind of taking a step back and going oh well if, if we think that this is occurring because there was water discharging at that corner of the foundation, which then led to some settling, which is very apparent to us, then I'm not as concerned about it because we have a pretty good picture of what's going on yeah. um, versus saying, hey, you need a structural professional in here. Um, and, and of course, you know, I think that comes down to, um, you know, each inspector's comfort level as far as like a liability um, perspective goes as far as saying like, Hey, I feel comfortable saying that this is, you know, most likely the cause here, um, versus, you know, deferring to a structural professional. Um, I mean, we certainly do defer to a structural professional often. Um, but, or, or when it's needed, I shouldn't necessarily say often, but, um, if it's needed, we're going to call in a structural engineer, but there's a lot of scenarios where there's a pretty clear cause and effect, um, which, which we're comfortable with. Um, maintenance item, just re refreshing some caulking, um, unsealed penetrations. You'll often see this on, um, gas lines, uh, refrigerant lines, uh, maybe hose bibs, things like that. Um, just to help prevent, you know, vermin and insect intrusion. Um, here we've got a, um, a little pergola structure, um, beams here, the support beam starting to roll a little bit, um, Given that it's just a pergola structure, not as big of a concern. Um, I actually had a home yesterday. It was a 1900 um, build, and 
the addition, the rear addition of the uh, kitchen had been built on an old deck structure. Um, and <laughs> they literally had the, one of the support posts um, on the deck um, was um, the front porch column. Uh, and it literally had the street address on the column it looked like a, a wooden leg from a table uh, spool. Um, but um, I mean, the, the ledger board connection was separating from the home. Um, the joists weren't sitting on the beam. Um, and then the outside beam and post, um, it was just kind of cobbled together. And I actually put it as a major item because it, you know, under a heavy snow load, it, I could see it kind of rolling out and detaching. Um, so, you know, again, kind of judging, um, you know, well, I'll take a step back. I, I think it's really important to, you know, look at each situation um, on a customized basis. You know, I mean, we have the curriculum that we learn um, through InterNACHI, which is, um, you know, say going to the DEX course, looking at like beam warping or, or rotation or rolling. Um, but then being able to look at that and apply it to that specific home or that specific situation and maybe kind of alter the severity accordingly. Um, you know, this is something technically um, that beam is starting to roll. Is it some, is it one of our main concerns? No. Um, you know, if it were a deck structure or if it were a floor support structure, then it would be a higher concern because of the implications it would have. Um, but I think it's important to kind of be able to think through and go, what are, what are the actual effects of this? Um, um, you know, it, if it were to play out, um, neutral or negative grading, um, this kind of goes with the downspout extension, uh, item some, um, you know, just how is water draining and getting away from the house? Um, one thing I will explain often to clients and agents is you might not have, uh, the natural gradient on the site to be able to really have a good positive slope away from the house. A lot of homes, you know, if you go in uh, old Denver neighborhoods, for example, it's a pretty flat topography throughout the entire block um, of homes. Um, so you might not really be able to manipulate the grade. What is really important is getting back to those downspouts because, um, the downspouts from the roof system have a concentrated flow of water. Um, so you're taking maybe a quarter of the surface area of that roof and, and channeling all of that drainage into one downspout. So you've got a concentrated flow of water, whereas the rest of the, the perimeter of the home and the grade, um, you know, it's kind of getting a, a, a nice, you know, even distribution of rain or snow melt. It's still important, but if, if you can, if you can't really do much with the grade, you want to at least make sure that the um, downspouts are getting water away. Um, some, some leakage here uh, on these old faucets. It's also a, a, a not, was not a frost proof or anti-siphon hose bib. Um, and what, what that is, is basically um, a freeze prevention device where when you shut the valve, uh, on the hose bib, it's actually um, shutting the flow of water off further back inside the conditioned space and not right at the 
um, right at the valve where it'd be more susceptible to freezing. And it also doesn't have an anti-siphon device um, where it would prevent water from the hose from coming back into the, uh, uh, to the water supply in the event of a, a pressure drop. Um, you know, oftentimes we'll just, we'll kind of, if, if it's a, a more minor item, that's not quite as uh, integral to the home itself, um, such as a fence or an outbuilding, uh, we'll still make mention of it, but we'll typically kind of group those items instead of itemizing it. Um, and just, you know, here we just had an old, old fence and gate structure. Um, so kind of lump that in. Typically, that'll be a blue item for us as well, just saying like, hey, you, you just need some fence maintenance. Um, landscape irrigation. So this is something that's outside of the uh, international scope uh, or standards of practice. Um, but typically, the way we handle irrigation systems are if you know, we tell people this is outside of our scope, but if we see anything glaring that's visually apparent, we will make a note of it. Um, I mean, I, I believe in being as thorough as we can be within reason. And so if we see, you know, a flooded irrigation valve box or something like that, um, we're going to make note of it. Um, but we're not going to test and run and operate the, the irrigation system. Um, same thing, outbuildings are outside of our, the standards of practice, but if we, you know, see, you know, just a rough building, um, or something that, you know, kind of jumps out at us, we still want to make note of it. Um, you know, I think that's kind of a quick side note as an inspector, you want to be prepared on how to handle limitations, um, and that conversation with the clients and agents, because, um, Oftentimes you'll be asked, hey, do you guys inspect this or do you inspect that? And um, if you just go, no, nah, we don't inspect that, it, it doesn't come off, uh, you know, very well. Um, I think, you know, being able to um, say, you know, that's outside of our scope and here's why. Um, that, that's, that's a much better way to handle it. Um, but you know, just kind of being prepared for those conversations with like low voltage and landscape irrigation, outbuildings, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and sometimes an outbuilding might be like an uh, accessory dwelling unit, and that might actually be part of the inspection. Um, so um, just kind of getting a good uh, good handle on that. Um, we had to change the way we did inspections just from feedback from our customers. Like we got a rash of complaints about the doorbell not working. Mm. Like, ah. And so we just incorporated, all right, we got to ring that doorbell. <laughs> we're, we're not going to say, we're not going to explain it's outside the scope. It's low voltage. You don't have to, we're just going to ring the doorbell. Exactly. So you just have to know what your clients are expecting, I guess. And so exactly. No, it's, it's so true. And, and I think, um, you know, that that's really important because at the end of the day, we're a service company and, and, um, you know, we're, we're trying to kind of find that balance between, you know, what the standards of practice are um, and, and really what we're required to do on site versus, you know, what people expect of us and, and kind of finding that balance and what we're comfortable with. Um, you know, I think a lot of, you know, kind of the average home buyer doesn't realize, you know, what we do um, behind the scenes. And so they're, 
they're very focused on like what's in front of them, um, you know, what they are going to observe. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times that I get in a home and, and, you know, we're, we're just getting settled in and they're like, Hey, did you, did you note this? Did you note that? And I'm like, I will get to that. Um, but you know, I've, I've got bigger fish to fry right now. You know, I'm about to go in your crawl space for 30 minutes and, and that's really, if I could only go one place, like that's where I need to be. Um, so, you know, but being able to, to kind of empathize with them and, you know, say, Oh, I, I hear your concern, you know, that's something we're going to get to. Um, and, you know, really letting them feel like, you know, Hey, you, you've been heard, like we're here for you, um, is, is really important. Um, rust and electrolysis, uh, on these window wells. Um, I mean, for the age of this home, it's not terribly bad. Um, but you can actually see too, in this particular case, it looks like we may have had some uh, either expansion or contraction of the, the slab here um, as well. Um, but um, in this case, we did want to note that they're, they're rusting. Um, uncovered window wells. Um, this is something we typically note. Um, in and of itself, it's not, it's debatably maybe a defect, but you know, you want to think about, you know, animals could get trapped in there, someone could step in there, trip, fall, and then, um, you know, it's also a, an area where some, some moisture or some water can, can collect. Um, I think it's really important to, uh, with a lot of these things, to kind of assess the situation again with the clients of, hey, do you have small children that are going to be playing hide-and-go-seek or tag running around this home? They might fall in. Um, you know, I've, I've seen situations before where there's been an egress window well, um, right beside, uh, a, a, a concrete patio, um, you know, and I could just envision, um, someone falling in, you know, having a little, you know, a barbecue or something. And so that window well carries a lot more weight to me than one on the side of the house where, you know, no one's ever going to hardly be. Um, so it's like where I usually wouldn't mention, you know, covered window wells necessarily in a normal, you know, inspection summary. If it's one that's right beside a, a, a path of travel, that all of a sudden takes on a whole new, um, uh, a whole new weight that it otherwise would. So kind of getting into, um, uh, you know, kind of the more, um, heavy hitting stuff here, getting into the electrical. This home had some interesting items, um, some pretty typical, but then some like you see down here where they had a nice DIY wiring job <laughs> um, and ran the Romex um, not within the cavity um, and just through the room here. Um, this is where, I mean, a lot of this stuff that we've gone over up to this point is pretty typical stuff. Um, but, um, you know, we, we really started kind of getting in the weeds here with, um, health and safety items. Um, so, um, missing cover plates. Um, this is a, a one that we commonly see, um, honestly, probably at least every other inspection. And we call it as a health and safety item, which might 
kind of sound like overkill because it's an easy fix. Um, but again, if there's small children or if someone puts their hand in the wrong place, you technically have energized electrical components. Um, and so, you know, we, we want to take care of that. And again, you know, taking a non-alarmist approach of saying, hey, we're putting this in here as a health and safety concern, but it's a really simple fix. I mean, especially if it's a duplex receptacle, um, yeah, it's a 59 cent component, you know, at, at, at the hardware store. Um, same thing here with like uh, no dedicated junction boxes. You'll have these like flying splices here where basically um, you've just taken two wires, wire nutted it together, maybe put some tape on it. Um, that, that should be contained within a dedicated junction box. That's a really common one to see, um, as well as open junction boxes. Um, you might have something contained in a junction box, um, but, um, but it's not properly covered. Um, you know, you wanna have pay close attention to detail because um, sometimes you'll see really small kind of easy to miss items like damaged sheathing and exposed wires. Now there's still insulation on uh, the neutral and the hot here, but, but really, I mean, that, that Romex sheathing, that cable sheathing should be intact and, and in that, uh, in that clamp. Uh, and then even small things you could easily, easily overlook like the missing knockouts in the panel. Um, again, you know, that knockout, um, provides a pathway to get to, you know, energized electrical uh, components there. Um, the rest of this has been properly uh, clamped, though, so that, that's good. Um, and then generally speaking, I mean, just going back to this photo, these, these uh, cable clamps uh, are important because it helps secure the cable where it enters a box, because otherwise, if that cable's moved around, um, it can it can sever that insulation um, on, on the cable and then, you know, could ultimately lead to, um, you know, the hot wire energizing the, the box as well. Um, and you'll see that kind of thing. We, we might actually have it here on this report, but you'll see that kind of thing as well on garbage disposals um, where they basically run the cable into the garbage disposal housing, but there's no cable clamp. And that's actually probably the most important place to have one because a lot of times people will have a garbage can or something under um, a, a kitchen sink and they're constantly moving that cable back and forth and it could, um, it could sever that insulation. These are great pictures. So that, uh, I forgot his name, Owen? Uh, uh, Owen. Owen was taking some really good shots. So he's using uh, his phone, his mobile device? to take these mm -hmm. yep. while inspecting. I wonder if he had his client with him as well. So he's taking a picture, he's writing the report and, and talking to the client as well, all at the same time. Often, oftentimes. Yes. So, um, you know, we, we have to be a little disciplined because we all love what we do. And, and, um, I mean, we could just talk all day, you know, as we go through an inspection, but we've got to stay on time. Um, and so, but oftentimes we do, you know, have our clients with us, um, at least for a portion. And we try to set some boundaries, uh, especially up front. That's another important thing is, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I'd love to chat. We will go through this in more detail. Um, but really, I, I kind of need to keep my head down and focus. Um, 
because, you know, it's really easy. If you're talking, you might not, you might see something and forget to get it before or miss something because you're distracted. Um, but you do, I mean, you, you know, you need to have the expectation that multitasking is, is, is going to be part of the job. Sometimes. <laughs> um, so in relation to time management, like, are you, are you asking your inspectors to take pictures and video? I saw a video there. Um, mm-hmm. at the inspection while inspecting so that the report is available immediately or is there a delay in your inspection report? Sure, that's a great question. So we we guarantee a 24-hour turnaround. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it's it's sooner than that. You know, you, most most of the time it's the same day, mainly because we just kind of want to clear our queue anyway and, and, and be, be done, you know, at the end of the day. Um, but typically the way we go through things is that um, we'll try to capture the, you know, the content in the report at the time of the inspection. Um, but Spectora has a great feature. It's a flagging feature. Um, and so if you want to modify the comment, you can flag that comment. And then when you go to edit the report, post-inspection, you can go back to those flag comments. Um, And I love that feature because um, oftentimes, um, you know, I mean, for me personally, I'd probably say 15 to 20% of my comments I'll flag um, Mm -hmm. because I want to customize that language a little bit more appropriately for that item. Um, oftentimes maybe to, to kind of dial back like the alarmism of like, Hey, we don't, you know, we, we want to tone this down a little bit because it's not as bad as it sounds in that comment, or maybe it's worse than it sounds in that comment. Um, but basically what we try to do with our template is to make pretty generalized comments that we could then modify, um, with location tags or, um, um, or, or, or kind of tagging those photos as well and say, like, refer to the photos uh, comments for more specifics. Um, but, you know, something like missing knockouts is straightforward. You know, we, we tag it and then put the photo in and we're done. Do all of your inspectors use the same comments uh, software, like the template? We do. We do. So we've, we've put a lot of time um, in, into our template. Um, and we're, it's all, it's just a constant pro- process. I mean, we're all, we're always working on it. Um, and, um, you know, so, you, we've got it to a pretty good point now, but there's always things. So from one inspector to another, the report is basically the same. Um, mm-hmm. It looks the same. One isn't completely different from the other report. Exactly. And that's, that's something we strive for is that consistency, um, you know, whether, um, you know, you're working with me or Owen or Lawrence or Matt or Dan, you know, it's, it's all going to be kind of the same general product. Um, you know, everyone's got different personalities. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to, hey, I'm reading this report, I'm, I'm, I'm generally getting a report, well, I am getting a report of the same quality and I'm getting a report um, kind of through the same lens of the inspector and the, the same comments. So, um, you know, that's something that's important to us and also a big challenge. Um, you know, I, for, 
for any inspectors on, you know, watching this webinar that are growing, um, you know, going back a few years, one of my biggest challenges was going from um, me as a solo inspector to growing a company and saying, no, you can trust Owen, you can trust Lawrence, you know, and, 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 and people going, okay, like I'll, I'll take your word for it. And then, you know, now the greatest compliment I can get is like, oh, we don't even need you. Like we're happy with whoever because they're an Alpine building performance inspector. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that, you know, largely we've gotten there through creating that consistency. Um, um, but, uh, and the template really, really helps with that. So if you scroll down, I noticed that there's a video. So you yes. are using a software that allows you to embed videos in your report. Um, you, you showed earlier that you could do old school PDFs as well. But I, I really believe this is, uh, I don't know if the wave of the future, but I think video and uh, uh, videos inside a home inspection report is really great. Oh, it is. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite features of Spectora. Um, and, you know, it's really nice to have this function for a couple of reasons. Um, but some of the things you just can't really capture in a photo, um, you know, like a, you know, noisy system or, you know, something that you would have to hear. Um, and then, I mean, especially um, as, as we all know, the past couple of years have had its challenges, but like during the pandemic, um, when we didn't have people on site, it was even more important for us to be able to narrate a video. Um, and then, you know, they got the digital report and they were able to go through it and then, you know, gave us great feedback. That was basically, Hey, I, I'm, you know, I was concerned that I wasn't going to be there in person, but now that I saw the report, I feel great. There's nothing like a video of a active water leak too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, a toilet just flushing all over the place. That's, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. We had, I wish I could pull it up quickly, but there was a fix and flip that uh, we inspected back in the spring, I think. And fix and flips are always entertaining. They're, they're usually one of the most, one of the most problematic types of homes to inspect they don't always have to be but they typically are and they had completely forgotten to plumb the drain on the toilet and so when you flush the toilet it just discharged into the crawl space oh. and it was funny because uh, i was training one of our inspectors at the time and we were in the crawl space and i <laughs> Fortunately, the home hadn't been occupied, so there wasn't a lot of affluent at that time. But there was there were some some Romax and some pipes and stuff below it. And I saw a piece of toilet paper paw over a piece of Romax. And I go, oh, my God, I don't think they, they plumbed that toilet. And so I asked, I said, Matt, go upstairs, flush that hallway bathroom toilet. And I had the video ready. Yeah. And I mean, it was the best video because just 1.6 <laughs> gallons of water just dumped into the crawl space. And that was such a great video to have because um, it just really, really kind of, you know, sealed the deal there. Um, but yeah, so, noises, that kind of thing. It's great. So uh, I think I asked you to open up a window of your busy time for two hours. We do not have to go a full two hours, but I just wanted to make sure that we're about halfway through whatever okay. you'd like to do as far as you uh, want to do with your time. And going through the report, that'd be great. 
Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep cruising through here and I guess we'll just go through this report and then if there's anything else, um, we can, we can go through it as well. Um, so just a handful of things on the electrical, um, you know, loose fixtures. Here's a video, uh, loose receptacles. You've got a video on that as well. Um, no power at this receptacle. Um, if you ever come across a situation where you do not have power at a receptacle, um, you do want to be careful to check, is there a trip GFCI somewhere, especially if it's in a wet location. Um, it's not the end of the world if you call out something incorrectly, but it, it, it's not a great look if, you know, someone comes out a tradesman and they're like, the inspector just didn't reset that GFCI. You know, and, and you're like, well, I kind of feel foolish. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen every once in a while, but um, you do on those usual suspects you want to do, make sure and check. Uh, it, you know, have I, have I explored every option here? Um, open ground, it's a common one that we'll see. Uh, we've got scorching, also uh, a missing cover plate. Uh, but some scorching on the, uh, the outlets, uh, no GFCI protection installed in the kitchen and the laundry room here. So, you know, there's, I just want to address, we've got pretty much six comments right here that are all related to, to receptacles and well, one's a fixture, but you know, this, could feel a little excessive. Uh, clearly the listing agent thought that that was the case <laughs> on this one, but you know, we really feel strongly that we're providing value by giving people specifics and, you know, taking them right to the situation because, and, and you kind of have to use your judgment on a case by case basis, but it's not very helpful. if We just say, Hey, we found, 20 electrical issues you just need to have an electrician and then the electrician's like well I, what what did they find you know where do i go like where are you missing a gfci where is there no power at a receptacle because it took us time to 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 you know uncover all of these items and so we want to give the specifics um i think that's where a lot of the value is uh you do run the risk of overwhelming people when they look at that number of like wow there were 54 items um, but it really helps to kind of give that context. And, you know, we always appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to the client and the agent at the time of the inspection. Uh, really for us, it's most ideal if they come and say the last half hour or so, so we can just focus on our job um, and then have that opportunity to talk to them at the end of the inspection. But if we can go, hey, you know, you're going to see, I mean, I had an inspection last night or yesterday evening, feels like night because daylight savings time now, but uh, yesterday evening and I said, you're going to see a lot of stuff on this report, but don't be overwhelmed. Just take it one section at a time. I wanted to detail everything out for you so you do have a thorough list and you can work with your agent to prioritize these things. And um you know, I, I think it's really helpful that way, but uh, we do try to group things when we can. Um, and, and we have taken the approach of categorizing our reports by system and not necessarily by location. Um, so 
you know, if, if you have a loose receptacle in a bedroom and then you have a loose receptacle in a garage, we're going to have one comment that's loose receptacle and then we're going to notate all of the areas. So um, we, we really kind of look at things on a system uh, based approach and, and not on a location necessarily. So here um, in our attic crawl space insulation ventilation section, evidence of rodents or vermin. A lot of times you'll see chewed materials or, or burrowing tunnels or holes, um, that kind of thing. Um, pretty, pretty typical. I, I usually don't stress it as like an infestation uh, in, unless it's an infestation. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty often going to see some evidence of mice or vermin in, a, in an attic or something like that, but um, you can kind of make the judgment call when it looks to be excessive. Uh, here's a good example of just a blue item. Access panel is damaged to the main water shutoff valve. It doesn't have any bearing on the function of the system, but it's something that uh, it's kind of a repair item. We did note here that there's no water pressure regulator installed. This looks like a meter right there, actually. But um, but there's no water pressure regulator installed on the main. Um, we check water pressure, uh, typically on an outside faucet, um, just, just to see if they're kind of within that 40 to 80 uh, PSI range. Uh, oftentimes we'll see water pressure actually being too high rather than, than too low uh, when it's coming in from the city. But this is something pretty much water shutoff valves, and furnace filters are typically the two things we'll always point out to our clients is, hey, here's, you know, here's what we want you to know where the location um, of this is, um, really important. Uh, here's just kind of a cobbled together shower head with galvanized steel, um, used a lot of Teflon tape on <laughs> Um So, functional, but not really proper uh, materials. Uh, we always call out these saddle valves because um, they're more, they're prone to leakage. Um, and basically what a saddle valve does, uh, it has um, kind of a, a gasket and it clamps down on a copper pipe. And then as you turn the uh, valve, it punctures the pipe and then feeds the supply line. So it's typically a quarter inch line. You'll see them for refrigerator supply lines, you'll see them for humidifier supply lines, uh, evaporative coolers, that kind of thing. Um, but they're, they're really common and widespread. People still use them all the time um, instead of a dedicated valve, but usually over time they, they will leak. Um, so here we, we kind of made the judgment call to put it as a blue item, just to say, hey, there is a saddle valve installed and it's likely that in the future it will leak. Whereas if it was a leaking saddle valve, it would have been like an orange or a red, depending on the severity of the leak. Um, jacuzzi, no motor access panel. Um, there should always be an access panel uh, for uh, jacuzzi tubs. Um, same if you say had a steam generator, something like that, you always wanna be able to access the equipment. And, this just made me think of one item, but I think one thing that's fascinating about inspections and as you get deeper into it and more experienced, you realize that a lot of times 
you're looking for what's not there as much as you're looking at for what is there. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's easy to a degree to look at a system and find a defect. Um, but sometimes it's easy to overlook and just not catch something that's just not there at all. Uh, a good example of that would be a missing uh, register, a missing air supply register, heat source in a room. I'm going, wait a minute, there's no register in here. Um, something like that, or you know, no access panel. Um, so you always want to be thinking about what, uh, not only what's wrong with this right in front of me, but what may I be missing here? Um, and, and I will say thermal imaging is really nice, a really nice tool for that as well. Uh, because a lot of times you'll identify a buried heat register or something with, with a thermal camera. Um, using so an infrared camera or, or some other uh, type of infrared? For an infrared. Yeah. For an infrared. So, I mean, my, I, I personally, we use infrared it just standard. Um, it's not something that we upcharge for. I, I think that if it was 10 years ago and all infrareds were still five to $10,000, that might be different, but the, 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 Technology is so accessible now. I, I think that uh, also it just makes for a better inspection for us even. Um, you know, we, we use it not just from an energy efficiency or uh, moisture issue standpoint, but we also use it uh, as a documentational tool. Um, while we're on that topic. Um, what infrared camera do you like? Um, so like the, we use honestly the FLIR, um, ones and like the C2s and, and just kind of the basic ones, honestly, yeah. I think for, for, for no more than what we do, um, it, we don't need the really advanced stuff. I mean, I right. think, um, you know, if we, if, if we were an HVAC company, it'd be a different story, but, sure. um, you know, we're, we're able to, uh, to do what we need to do, but, um, Let's see here. Well, anyway, I'll hop back to that. But basically, you know, we can use thermal as a way to document that things are functioning um, like they should. It's, you know, hey, here's the oven. It's working. You know, these elements are on. The refrigerator is working. Um, and, you know, we've been really lucky. Uh, well, part of it's luck and, and part of it's our process. But, um, you know, over the past five years, we've had very few issues. Um, I, I, I want to say I kind of worry less and should knock on wood here, but <laughs> worry less and less about liability as we go on because we've, we've developed a system um, that really is pretty airtight. And, um, you know, we're able to go, hey, look, like we, we observed everything that we possibly could. Um, and and if, if it's not in our report, it was probably outside of our realm of being able to identify it um but thermal helps with that because it does show that things things were functioning properly um at the time of inspection and we've had issues uh we had uh we've had issues that were avoided uh because of that um i had a situation where um the agent called and said hey you know my client moved in uh, the oven's not working 
And I was able to go into the report and go, Hey, on, on October 10th, it was working, you know, <laughs> and here's the photo. And they're like, okay, great. Got it. I mean, there's nothing you can say, you know? Yeah. And I think actually in that situation, uh, the sellers had put a different oven in, uh, uh between the time of the inspection and, um, you know, the time that, that they sold the home and, you know, you'll see, uh, you'll see questionable stuff like that, where, um, I've seen where someone has taken uh, ice and dumped it into an ice maker and it's not the right ice cube, uh, you know? And so looking for these little nuances like that, I'm like, this isn't the same ice cube that comes out of this ice maker. Um, and people will try to kind of, you know, fleece you with that, with that kind of stuff. But I mean, that's a pretty nuanced catch and, uh, but yeah. we've, we've seen stuff like that. You know, I've pulled up rugs and there's been cracked tiles and, um, you know, it's, I mean, I think most people act in good faith, but you'll, you'll see some, some interesting stuff too. Yeah. Um, plumbing fixtures, you know, almost always in an older home, there's going to be some, you know, leaking shower heads, loose toilets. Uh, you know, we call it these flex drains, uh, technically it, it, it's okay, but they're, they're more susceptible to, uh, to clog and to catch debris and hairs. This one's just terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, plumbing's interesting. Um, two, two things I would recommend are always run every plumbing fixture. And if a house is vacant or if it's a new build, or especially if it's a fix and flip, run the fixtures more than you would on a home that's occupied. And the reason I say that is that, say if you take a fix and flip, for example, no one has lived in that home to stress those fixtures. Whereas if you pull up to a 1982 split level home and the sellers just left, with, took their kids to school and you go in and you still smell shampoo in, in the bathroom, they just took a shower in that bathroom and if there's a leak that's going to come through to the drywall and the entryway you're going to see it because they have been using those fixtures um, but if you're in a home that's just been plumbed or has been vacant for a while that certainly opens up a lot more opportunity for you to find something that hasn't been discovered um, so a lot of times we'll 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 run we'll fill the tub we'll really try to stress that fixture um, and, and see something that, that we wouldn't otherwise see. Are you still doing sewer scopes? Um, we do. So we actually subcontract sewer scope. We've got a great um, company. And I think, um, you know, it's something we might eventually do in-house in the future, but we've kind of made the, the judgment call for now to say, like, we would rather have a professional company do it. Um, they've got years of experience. And you know, oftentimes the sewer sewer issues are the biggest items that'll come up in, in our inspections a lot of time. And it's really nice to be able to just defer to them, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of um, kind of gray areas with a sewer scope, um, you know, with say radon testing, which, which we do in house, um, it definitely has its challenges logistically, but Radon's nice because it's kind of black or white, you know, it's like, it was, it's high or it's low. Um, and 
sewer, there's a lot more um, objectionable territory of, well, okay, there's a circumference crack, but should we replace it? And, you know, how bad is this? Or, you know, you'll get into weird situations where um, it might be an issue or it might not. And, you know, did they scope the whole line? And, and right. it, you know, it's really nice for us just to be like, hey, you know, here, let me, let me give you the, you know, the information of the technician and you guys can talk it out. Yep. Um, and so we, we've kind of made that, but I do encourage people to offer that as a service, even as a subcontractor, um, because it's just, you know, we just want to be a one-stop shop for people. And it's like, Hey, the easier we can make it on our clients and agents, the better. Yep. Um, okay. So, um, water heater, we've got a couple of different things here. Um, pipe corrosion, dissimilar metals, a really common thing that we see. Um, you want to look out for that, um, at, uh, well, anywhere really in the plumbing supply system, but especially um, uh, oftentimes you see it at the water heater. Uh, clogged air intakes, this is a natural gas uh, combustion uh, water heater and that, that screen um, that's allowing, that should be serving to bring air in uh, to feed the to help fuel the combustion process is clogged. Um, and a little cause and effect, because of that, there was an irregular flame um, but that could be one of the reasons because it's not getting enough oxygen for combustion. Um, and so looking, uh, another example of identifying something that's not there would be adequate combustion air, um, into the combustion zone. Um, no drip pan. Um, you want to see if, if, is there a floor drain or not? Um, low temperature and here's a great, you know, thermal image, um, something that, um, you know, just helps us provide a better report. Um, one of the most common things we see are scald hazards where it's 140, 150 degrees, and we're able to take that photo. Um, and, you know, it just really helps people to see and visualize something they wouldn't otherwise be able to see. Um, so, you know, here's one that's kind of outside of our scope, but we still want to mention it is there's excessive pressure on the radon mitigation system. Um, you know, from my understanding, I'm not a radon uh, mitigation technician, but there should be, um, you know, one, one and a half inches, really no more than two inches difference on the water column here. So that's, that's a good indication that there's um, something wrong within the, the mitigation system. Um, and to have a, uh, um, radon mitigation specialists assess that. Um, that's while I'm on that topic, it makes me think we still um, recommend doing a radon test, even if a home has a mitigation system. We get that question a lot. And I'd say, you know, I'm not saying this because we, we do this as a service, but we, I have seen enough um, homes come back with high radon levels um, with mitigation systems. Um, especially if it's a retrofitted system on an older home. If it's a new home and a new system, it's probably going to be okay. Uh, but, um, but oftentimes they, they might not install it properly. Uh, let's see, did I just open up information? Oh yeah, here we go. Um, so 
Um, dirty, recommend cleaning and service. Uh, excessive noise on the furnace. Uh, again, nice to have um, a video demonstration. Uh, the furnace was short cycling. Uh, this is basically where the furnace is turning on and off. Um, a lot of times it's because it's dirty. Um, there will, it'll affect the sensors. Um, so it'll turn on and off and on and off. Um, filter is dirty, pretty typical. Uh, foundation and structure, no major issues here. Um, we see this a lot where you have a brick on top of concrete and um, an engineer explained to me that the thermal expansion rate of the brick is greater than concrete. So as it expands outward, it will kind of help to detach some of the concrete there. Um, we see that all the time. We, it's a minor item. Um, we explain, you know, why that's happening. Um, and then um, really minor cracks, um, not concerned at all, but we've kind of made the decision collectively to still note these because we want to avoid someone looking at it later and going, why didn't my inspector call this out? Um, and the more we can kind of take care of any concerns before they become a concern, the better. Cause we're like, this comment is basically, Hey, we saw a minor crack, concrete cracks. There's no issue with it. Monitor it, but no issue, you know? And that way they go, Oh, okay. Well they saw it too. And they acknowledged it and I shouldn't be concerned about it. Um, yeah. One of the biggest concerns of a client could be like, their inspector didn't even see this. Oh, exactly. you didn't even look at that. Or you didn't even see that. And actually exactly. you did, you know, and exactly. documenting it would just eliminate all that. You actually exactly. saw everything. Exactly. Because a lot of those things you have to think, I mean, I, I, you know, I kind of train our team of like, Hey, you've got to be in the mind of the client. Um, and are, if they're concerned about this, you should acknowledge it. Um, and, and I think that really helps because, you know, sometimes we'll, um, you know, we'll get into a situation and we're like, Hey, so, you know, I always like to open it, but if they're there at the beginning, like, just want to go over any questions or concerns you have about the inspection. And they're like, Oh, I'm concerned about this, this, and this. And immediately I'm like, those are not concerns, <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm just like, those total like no issues there like those are totally superficial concerns but we still want to you know acknowledge that um and and you know and let them be heard and 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 address those things and so even if it's not something that we would necessarily document we're like you know what they're concerned about it let's document it basically say it's not an issue and move on um and and, and that helps Wait a minute um, so moving down to appliances, um, debris in the garbage disposal, pretty typical one. Uh, here we've got a cracked uh, cooktop. Um, must have had the anti-tip bracket because that's something that we see all the time. Uh, there's no anti-tip device. Um, call out sometimes we'll we'll make mention of things too that aren't necessarily an issue but we want them to be aware of something um so like 
a good example is let's say they have a gas hookup for the dryer and not an electric hookup not a defect at all it's just a gas dryer but i want to make sure that we address that with the buyers and say hey i also want to let you know you've got a gas dryer hookup not an electrical dryer um or you have the option for both um because you know they might just assume it's electrical they go to buy their appliances they get delivered and they've got an electric dryer and no way to power it um, so I think there's value in that kind of informational uh, element, not just, hey, here's everything wrong with the home. It's like, hey, here are the things that are wrong with the home and here are the things that will help you um, to, to kind of transition in some more smoothly. Um, no dryer exhaust um, or it's not exhausting to the outside. Rather, this is one of those lint traps. Um, and basically you're creating excessive humidity um in, inside the home and that should be exhausted to the outside um here's something we always call out just that rubber hoses are installed um, they're just more apt to uh bursting or leakage than a braided stainless steel hose um so we we want to advise to to go with the stainless steel hoses um we noted that there's a heavy odor of air freshener um, that's something to always be a little suspect of if you walk in a home and there's just a heavy air freshener um, odor that they might be masking something. Um, there's a nice demonstration uh, for the floor being out of level. It's using a pool cue. <laughs> um, so, you know, I like we, that. I like that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we, you know, well, it's funny. We had, um, we had a, a pretty difficult client. Uh, it was probably about a year and a half ago. And I think it was just one of those buyer's remorse situations where they just weren't happy with their decision. And um, he was, it turns out he was giving the agent a lot of trouble as well. Um, but he, he complained to us multiple things um and every one of them they were in the report um it was that classic situation it's like you guys didn't tell me that my floors were out of level and, and we had a video just like this and it was like actually we did it was right in the report you just need to read it um but um you know the more documentation the better do you find um, that do you find that clients don't actually read the entire report right they just go yeah. to the red circle major defects exactly with their agent their agent really just wants to take the next step and handle exactly. the, the major problems. I think that's a good assumption to have as a um, as an inspector. Uh, it's it's kind of unfortunate, but to just say my clients probably aren't going to read this report. You know, I mean that's their problem. You know, if if they don't address something and it's in the report and they didn't read it, that's on them. But it's it's good perspective to have sometimes going into this going like they're not going to um, care about this to the same degree that you are necessarily um, doesn't mean that you should do your job any differently. Um, but I think that like where it might be applicable is like I wouldn't, you know, a lot of times in like general information sections where you're you know, we list the types of siding, for example, it's like, oh, there's fiber cement and there's manufactured stone veneer and there's stucco. Like if, if we 
don't list every single siding type in the general info. It's like, don't lose any sleep over that because odds are they're never going to look at it. You know, it's like, what is important is assessing the home. Um, so really, you know, thinking about like, what, what are the most important things I need to focus on here? But oftentimes, yeah, they, they I would say probably if I had to guess 60% of clients just look at like the summary and then never open it again. And Spectora has an interesting feature, which is really nice. It shows you when the report's been viewed and by who. So it'll say client viewed report, timestamp, agent viewed report, timestamp. And there's been many a times that I've looked and no one's viewed the report, <laughs> um, you know, the agent or the client, or maybe just the agent did, or just the client, or just three days later or something. So, um, you know, it's, it's just something to keep in mind. Um, checking tiles. Um, this is something that's really important, especially these four inch by four inch tiles. Um, cause usually they use those on older homes and the, uh, the mastic or, or the thin sets kind of started to delaminate, um, handrail terminations. You want to, you want this handrail to terminate into the wall, um, so that you can't hook something on it. Um, you know, I always kind of use the example of, a you know, someone's carrying a load of laundry or a string of Christmas lights or something down the stairs and it hooks and then it causes them to trip and fall down the stairs. Um, smoke alarms, um, you know, we always recommend within the bedrooms and, you know, throughout the common spaces, uh, of course, carbon monoxide detection within 15 feet. Um, and then just noting improper egress or insufficient egress in, um, you know, a, a, a basement bedroom here. Um, that's a pretty common uh, one as well. And it's kind of interesting to see if the listing included non-conforming bedrooms in as conforming bedrooms. You know, they might say, oh, it's a four bedroom, two bath house. And reality, two of the bedrooms are in the basement. and They're non-conforming rooms. That's not really our conversation to have. I think, you know, we, we know, Hey, is, is this, you know, does this have adequate egress or not? And that's kind of where we leave it. You know, if, if whether or not they classified it properly, that's, that's kind of an agent um, conversation there um, to have with their client. Um, and then one thing that we um, put into our reports within the past year is just a, a closing and, and lockup checklist um you know we we do a really good job of leaving the home just as we found it but you know we truthfully had some situations where we left one door unlocked or you know we left the heat on or um you know we left the oven on and um that's never a phone call you want to get um as an inspector and you know we're all human and especially in every one of those situations, it was a situation where myself or one of the inspectors was caught in conversation with the client and the agent, and the client's father-in-law. And it's like in that kind of like, you know, fury of, of wrapping up the inspection, something got overlooked. Um, and so this um, is a way that we can document that we turned off the oven. Um, we can document that we set the thermostat back. We can, um, you know, document that we locked the doors and covered the electrical panels. Um, 
And at least even if we don't have every single photo in here, um, that it's a checklist for us. Um, and oftentimes too, like I, I hate uh, to say it, but um, inspectors get kind of catch the short end of the stick on, you know, everyone that's involved in the transaction. And it's like, oh, it was the inspector that left the door unlocked. And it was like, no, actually we locked it. And then they're like, oh, you know what? There was another showing after <laughs> you guys were there. Or, oh yeah, the painter did come by to do a quote. And then we're like, you know, here you go. Like you can see. And, and we've had that um, situation arise where we get a phone call and they're like, you guys left the house unlocked. And then we send them a picture. And we're like, actually, as you can see here, like we locked it. We locked, we closed the lockbox. Um, and, and, and then they'll go, Oh, you know, that might've been someone else, you know? And so that, so that's something we, we really, um, um, like to have in the report. And I think it too, it shows diligence, you know, if a listing agent's looking at this or the buyer's agent, they're like, wow, these guys really care. Um, you know, they want to make sure they left the house like it was found. So, um, great idea. Great idea. And Spector is great. Cause we can just, you know, make that section you know it just took us just an hour or so to throw together one day and and now we use it all the time so yeah that's kind of a long-winded run through of one of our inspections and some nuances along the way but hope it was helpful oh absolutely absolutely um michael has a question are there any other services or inspections you've found to be uh, a better choice to sub out any other things um, so like bold, maybe we, we do, of course, inspections, we do radon testing in house and we do mold testing. Um, we sub out sewer scope routinely. Um, and we, we, we will refer out like lead and asbestos and other environmental. Yeah. Um, I oh. personally got my asbestos license in the state of Colorado, but made the call to not offer that as a service right now because it's kind of one of those things like the more I learned the more I realized I didn't know and it just it's a whole nother ballgame you know to really do it properly um it's just a completely separate business so we we refer that out but um I would say it really comes down to like what your personal comfort level is um we we don't want to do anything that we don't feel comfortable doing yeah. You know, and so if I felt comfortable doing lead and asbestos, I would do it. But, you know, I would rather, you know, defer to a to someone else. Yeah. How about subbing out to someone else to do like your marketing or. Yeah, I think that's that's great. Um, you know, I. What do I, you I, do? What so do you um, that's a good question. So I have actually kind of been uh wearing the marketing hat um since day one and i'm actually um this week in the process of interviewing a part-time marketing and sales assistant so we've gotten to the point that you know i'm i mean probably i was realistically here a couple of years ago <laughs> but you know realizing i can't do everything um myself and so as we've grown as a company we've started to um delegate and kind of divide up like hey you're going to take training, you're going to take um, administration, you're going to take scheduling and operations. And so, um, you know, we're, we're 
I mean, I'm excited that we're at that point in the business where that's starting to happen. I mean, it's it was pretty much me doing everything for a couple of years and then me doing most of the things until recently. Um, and now like we have a, excuse me, we have an in-house radon technician, um, which is great. Like that was, my life probably changed most dramatically when we brought on a radon technician because uh, there's so much driving involved. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a nightmare. I mean, we yeah. honestly, if radon is profitable for us, but honestly, it's almost more headache than it's worth. Um, you know, managing the machines, you know, managing the logistics. It, you know, now you need to get access to a property twice. Right. Um, and, you know, and then in the summer, windows are open and swamp coolers are on. And it's just, it's just a nightmare, <laughs> but, um, we could sub that out, but you know, that was one thing we felt comfortable handling. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, especially for smaller, um, companies, I mean, we're a small company, but, um, no matter if you're a one man shop or two or three or 20, I think that the, the more you can find people that are specialists in that field, the better. Um, and it's going to pay dividends, um, to, you know, like have Spectora help you with your SEO or your website or, or things like that. Um, and, and it's going to have a much better ROI than either trying to do it yourself or, um, hiring a, someone in house to do it. Um, but, you know, I think it's just kind of like anything, um, you know, what they say, like from business or entrepreneurs, like focus on your strengths and, you know, kind of sub out the, the rest. And, and I need to follow that advice myself. <laughs> I still try to do too much, I think. But um, um, yeah, and I would say, you know, it varies. Um, it varies by market too. Um, you know, we're not in an area where wood destroying organisms are a huge concern. I know a lot of companies offer that as, you know, an ancillary inspection or pool inspections or, um, you know, anything that kind of... Um, um, that you could do in your local market. Um, I mean, one thing that we are considering is we're starting to do more mountain inspections as, as well, flow tests and water quality inspections. And that's something we would feel comfortable with. Um, but we want to make sure we've got, you know, everything in place to, to take it home. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, taking us through one of your inspections. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity. You got it. So that's Andrew Sams of Building... Uh, Alpine Building Performance at alpinebuildingperformance.com. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andrew. And thank you everybody for attending. And uh, if you have any questions, just reach out to me at InterNACHI and stay safe and healthy, everyone. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Bye.